Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Untold Stories from Below the Line. My name is Maggie. And my name is Nathan. And in today's episode, we're talking to the amazing cinematographer Hex Yang. Hex received her BA in cinematography at Columbia College in 2018. And since then, she's been working in the camera and lighting department on features, TV series, and short narratives. And we're super excited to chat with her. So please welcome Hex. Hi, Hex. How are you? Hello. Good. (laughs) Awesome. So we are going to start with, you know, where you grew up. And if you can take us on that journey from your childhood to finding your passion for film and getting into film school and how it led to where you are now. I grew up in China with my dad. I'm a single parent family and uh, so there's a there are a lot of time that I was left home alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't really have I mean dad is like very restricted about you know study and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I'm home alone kind of like don't really have other entertainments like and I figure out a way to download a lot of like you know foreign films and movies from like Parrot Bay <laughs> like back in that time you know <laughs> and uh, yeah I watched all those movies like when I'm not studying or when I you know when my dad's not home and that's like basically what started my interest in into films like I really appreciate film like a lot of movies taught me a lot of things like yeah, and the, I just, like, want to, like, there is, like, a, a little seed was planted inside of me that I want to be able to make a movie that can change someone's life, like, you know, what the movies did to me mm-hmm. when I was a kid. And uh, kind of grew up in, like, prep school style, you know, a lot, spent a lot of time just basically, like, prepping and trying to get into, like, a better college, like, other, all the other Chinese kids are. And I actually did, and then I came to this country with my mom, like, some family complication going on. I came here, like, to study as psychology and, like, stuff can get me a good job in the future. But I didn't like the school I got in, and then kind of, like, left the school on my own willing and the work myself way out and apply for film school on my own. And then, like, eventually like kind of my family just like at the beginning they were they were like oh it's entertainment industry I don't want you to be in no matter like you're in front or behind the camera you know and uh but they found out that I actually you know on my own like I work and also applying for school and I actually got in with a scholarship there was like they finally realized I actually you know want to do it so they started supporting me after like got into Columbia which is good and then they right now they're still supporting it not like my dad is like very 100% sure supporting it my mom is still kind of like mm, I don't know <laughs> I still mm-hmm. feel like you should get like, a better job you know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah all parents just tend to I feel like that's just a part of the industry yeah <laughs> trying to convince your parents because it's not consistent yeah it's yeah. not consistent the work flow is really weird you know like we get jobs can be busy for three months and then, then we can take like another three months just not doing anything so they don't understand it um yeah. yeah it's it's not normal it's not normal job so it's like it's really hard for like all the people all the parents who work nine to five yeah for almost all of their life to understand about right. that but yeah yeah and then um when you went to school so you got into columbia uh college chicago and then uh what did how did the the process from being in, in school change you like what was your goals going in as a freshman versus when you graduated um like, did you go in for something else besides cinematography or was it always cinematography? Yeah. No, um, absolutely. When I started out, I have like zero knowledge at all about anything, like about filmmaking at all. I only shot like small videos when I was in high school for like, I was in like sports club and all kinds of like school club and I shot short videos for like, you know, festivals and stuff like promotion, but that that's it. <laughs> that's it. Um, I came to Columbia, I wanted to be a director. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really looking up to the director whose name's Xavier Dolan, the Canadian French um, director, because he was really young. He made the movie himself um, and he like won a lot of rewards. And the, like, and all the story he was telling was about his family and like that's all my life about, you know, like struggle with my family. And I was like, yeah, I want to be a director telling family stories, you know, from my perspective and stuff. But um, I got in and then I took some basic class. I, I think I took, yeah, I took directing one and some basic foundation class and I went through 
and uh, I feel very lost. And then, like, I just don't feel like, you know, through directing, I'm doing, I'm doing like, actually doing what I want to do. I don't know. I just feel kind of powerless when I was like in the directing class. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I was actually making a film. And uh, later, I talked to uh, some like school uh, course advisor, and they were saying, "Oh, Columbia is really strong at the cinematography. Do you want to try to get on that and try to work on set, see if that make you feel better?" And I actually did. And I told Cam Sam one with Cindy. And all this like hardcore knowledge just like hit me in the hand, and, just, and I finally realized, oh, okay, there is there's a side of me that like, you know, stereotypically very stereotype in Asian that like we're good at math and the science. I, I couldn't get rid of that part. Like I still like things are very technical and stuff. And when nothing get involved, it make me feel like I'm actually hands on making something, you know. Um, so I started doing like more camera stuff and start shooting stuff and that bring the feeling back of I'm actually making a film like making a film you know I, I really like that feeling I really like the feeling I can get involved with the artistic side you know like designing the frame designing actually the visual and the, at the same time like the visual involved story and also there are camera and the lighting that those like very hard technology side I can get involved and that mm -hmm. make me feel I'm still in this half in the comfort zone from where I grew up, that background. So yeah, yeah, that's like a great combination to me. So I'm very happy that I found out that cinematography does another path in the film. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we wanted to ask you, what is a DP? What does your job entail? Because um, a lot of people don't know what a cinematographer is um, mm -hmm. and what it does. So I feel I like to re-quote um, what uh what adam jones taught me in the class because <laughs> i was really inspired by that like he said things of uh dp's position is to help director to recreate the vision onto mm. the screen and i really really like the word he used uh help mm -hmm. like yeah i i was so inspired by that i don't know why because i think yeah that is the dp's job we create we create visuals. We create. Uh, we create the story into visuals, and the using by using the uh, technique we have, uh, knowledge we have, and the um, the creativity we have. But eventually, we're helping the head of the story, which is the director, um, to like recreate what's in you know director's head. So we're more like director's left and right hands, and mm -hmm. to you know put whatever is in their heads uh, into the actual picture so mm. yeah that's what i understand as dp that we're like the visual tools that director use yeah and yeah. that takes like a lot of skill set and i guess like a, a second part to that question is um what other jobs do you take when you do take jobs now um and how are they different uh what type of positions are there do you have a preference um, right yeah because there's a lot like gaffer and, and <laughs> camera and I've uh, seen that, I was looking through your IMDb page and it seems like you were taking a lot of jobs like both in camera and lighting. So like mm -hmm. I saw a lot of camera operator, but then electrician and best boy grip and all of that. So yeah, if you can explain like, you know, the type of jobs, you know, they yeah. are, if you have a preference too. Yeah, uh, so far, I'm like kind of more, like you guys both work with me. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I work in both when I was like in Columbia, I started off in GE department while I was still in school and uh, uh, when I get too close to um, graduation and I start kind of transfer uh, my position more into camera departments and uh, to be fair that GE departments like not, not any offense GE department just has like has more available open spots you know because mm -hmm. it has yeah. 20 grips and 20 electrician <laughs> so it's easier <laughs> to find a position in there that's why I started from there and then later I want to eventually I want to be become DP so I need more you know camera knowledge to be able to know what kind of tools I need to use for a camera to achieve certain shots so I was like okay I'm going to camera but yeah right now I'm more prefer to work in camera just I don't know how to say this like I just feel right now the technology and camera just keep updating like iPhones kind of like driving me crazy so I feel I have to constantly work in that department to keep updates like what's coming you know what's coming I know the lighting is still 
uh, coming with the new equipment, like the new uh, remote control type of stuff. I'm kind of off on that stage, so I don't know what exactly is going on, but I feel it's way slower mm-hmm. on camera. And also, in general, I feel lighting is still, no matter how much it like differs on the tools, the basic rules of how you light is same as, mm, it's still same as like a couple, like, decades ago basically mm-hmm. like the the painting skills like you know no matter how many decades it passed like good painting still good painting you know like yeah the good strokes from 200 years ago right now like all the you know painters look at those paintings they still think those are good paintings because the stroke and stuff basic stuff is still there you know right the measurement of light never changes yeah even yeah, though exactly. the equipment does yeah it's just like people's like lighting size more like the aesthetic will change mm-hmm. like so it would difference okay this is low right now people like low ratio lighting or whatever that that kind of stuff but like yeah tools to my to my opinion doesn't really matter lighting that that much probably will it might like it will affect on their workflow on set but like to aesthetic side i don't think the tools will affect that huge like yeah, yeah camera side is kind of going crazy they're adding like they're doing so many going on they're lighting probably the biggest one biggest change like blow my mind was when I realized that the what is it called the the Mandalorian series they shot all mm. the exterior scene actually indoors in the studio mm-hmm. and they have just big projecting screen of yeah. like the outdoor and going I was oh my god why we just thought about this like so, like, <laughs> <laughs> like by what I see from the products like I don't mind it to be honest like I don't mind it it looks it looks right. it looks gorgeous and it like does. everybody nobody really put like okay not to try to piss off anybody but like everybody only cares about baby yoda in that show to be honest like, <laughs> he's cute but he's not the only feature i know show. yeah it's yeah. more about like what's fun to work but yeah camera is definitely the good way to observe other dps that's why i awesome. kind of stay in camera yeah the next question is also sort of like a two-part question um what was your first freelance position in the industry and mm-hmm. then what was your first DP job in the industry. Yeah, I, my first paid gig mm-hmm. uh, was I was on the best was a best boy electric, and mm. on this feature, and it was underpaying me pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I got a chance to work with a very, uh, uh, very amazing DP who's right now like a rising star on the ASC or something. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was my first paid job, and it was twenty. 20 days of shooting wow. in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My first job was a best boy electric and I got a job through Craigslist. Wow. <laughs> nice. That's good to hear that Craigslist, you know, works. Isn't I mean, I've heard funny? stories. <laughs> I know. That's my only job I've, I've ever got from Craigslist. And that was my first paid job. And wow. like, and they actually interviewed me and they like the, uh, the line producer interviewed me and just want to know like how much I got hand of it and they're telling me okay this is a four people GE crew I was like oh oh <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah and like trying to negotiate like okay what if uh, you know you apprentice a little bit I'll give you like apprentice price and stuff yeah because that's my first job I didn't realize what the heck mm. was that you know and then mm. later I found out oh that means you you can only pay me a hundred dollar a day stuff like that you know but I got to work with my friends, like, which is good. Like, which is yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, somehow, like, my friend hopped on this job, and I was like, oh, at least there is somewhere I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, it makes it worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, got to, I actually got to learn a lot of, like, uh, you know, the um, bag of trick, uh, tricks about, like, electric, and that's, like, where I learned to make all kinds of weird uh, wiring and stuff. I wouldn't, yeah. I still, it, like, despite the pay, I feel like it was a good experience to learn stuff. It was slash my gaffer was like a very patient person. Like, thank God, like my first pay job wow. that I got to like, work for someone who's nice. You know? yeah. So I, I consider that as a very lucky experience, you know? Yeah, and the first mm, paid DP job was working for someone I worked with uh, from the Columbia grad program. And uh, oh. yeah, he hired me to shoot like some of uh, this uh short stuff and uh for him and then he like just kind of like submitted into like old kind of film festival and stuff after he graduated and he's like oh i want to come back and shoot more comedies are you in i was like yeah sure and, like i'm just like sh- like shot that stuff for him and then 
yeah, I really like working for him too. Like he's funny and the, his script is funny and that's actually one comedy I shot. I think it's funny. You know, a lot of companies are not funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially ones coming out of like school or like the, yeah. 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 They yeah, a little bit, so. That's like my first pay gig. I don't really like, I don't really shoot a lot of like pay stuff. Like I'm still on the stage of like, Oh, you have something to shoot. And then yeah, I'll let me shoot it. And like, at least mm. save the money for the crew. I rather, I'm like, yeah, I'm still on the like beginning stage of that. And uh, mm-hmm. I shoot, like, and I, I don't shoot that many commercials and uh, mm-hmm. I only have like two series of commercials I can put on, uh, put out to uh, advertise myself. So Mm-hmm. like people don't see the variety of like oh can you shoot under natural light and stuff which is like kind of funny <laughs> to say that yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway you know i don't shoot a lot of commercials so i don't shoot a lot of paid gigs for commercials mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. basically are doing friends favorite to shooting like promotions and i eventually i still want to stay i just like shooting narratives when i when i shooting narratives i just i'm happier yeah. unfortunately and all the narratives really cost a lot of money and they're like yeah i'm like still at the stage it's like don't pay me like just save my payment to like the crew you know stuff like that i don't know it's it's weird like since we're talking about this it's kind of weird when people come to me and watch my reel and my reel is kind of extreme that everything's like contrasting dark and then like all the stuff i put together it's like kind of like horror or thriller mm-hmm. i don't know just probably because the song i pick i feel like that's the only kind of like things i can <laughs> put in there to feed that wipe but like mm-hmm. i will tell people oh if you want to look for something lighter i have a full clip of comedy you can watch or yeah, like yeah. this like this studio shot commercial i can show you and the people will like pull out and there will be clients or people come out and pull out like commercial from nike or something, mm. you know, kind of natural light and his camera just move around. That kind yeah. of like in and out shot. Like, Can yeah. you shoot something like this? It was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. When you go to a hair salon and you see a girl who's like looking, have a very sweet looking and you think she cannot give you like undercut and some punk look, that's absolutely wrong. You know, yeah. you're they're doing the same thing to the DPs, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Like we're all trained basically same. Like, yeah to be honest. And yeah, that's like kind of like limiting the opportunities, but I really don't mind like this point, like staying, staying in narrative. I do have regrets, but to be honest, yeah, I am happier when I'm shooting narratives because there's a lot of stories. I really love stories. And like the biggest challenge to me when I shoot commercials are probably like, um, there are no, no stories or like any core to motivate me to being creative. Yeah. yeah, and if you can shoot a narrative, just if you can just shoot narrative and not commercial and still like are good, then that's yeah, go do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. why would you? Yeah, when you put yourself out there, I feel the opportunities will be easier to come to you. But if mm-hmm. you don't even try to put yourself out there, like it's there's zero chance that opportunity will come to you. So like, what? Yeah. How do you? When do you take aspiring off of any job title that you're gonna do? I want to say I'm DP, but when it comes to stuff that like. I don't have experience now. I'm still kind of like, I'm still learning, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. When you come to like a certain level that you think that you can be a leader, you feel comfortable to mm-hmm. be a leader, mm-hmm. then you can probably call yourself a DP, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, no matter AD, DP department has, any kind of department has, like, it's not, it's not just about the skills. It's also like, like you're comfortable to handling a crew. And to be like a great leader to your team. But when that comes mm-hmm. together and then, then you know how to utilize your team, then I think you can just call it, I can be a department hat. Like, let me do it. Yeah. I have all the basic skills, but, you know, I have the leadership. And then, yeah, like come out and be the leader, you know. And right. uh, yeah, sometimes like DP is really <laughs> not about, you know, just creative and stuff. It's it's about like great leadership and the, mm-hmm. like, the, the best team worker and how to work with a team, you know when I get to like more professional side, there are people that introduce me to certain jobs and uh, like saying, Hey, like I cannot secondly see this job. Do you mind like replace me this weekend? And that's how uh, I met my friend's mentor in the professional field. And then I happen to be really lucky. Those people are really nice. They were like, Oh, I, re- I really like, I, they're super nice and they would love teaching people not like showing off type and they're just like 
oh, you're replacing her, right? Oh, like here's the things I want to teach you. Like for example, the the camera and this how you hold the lens and like you know if you have this and a certain lens, blah blah blah. Like all the things I learned. Yeah, they're yeah. also like good, very good resources you want to hold on to. The people mm-hmm. who want to teach you stuff when there when there are people want to teach you stuff, they're really those people are really really like to helping you know the upper gen like upcoming generation so like don't feel like so don't be so cocky don't be so ignore in front of them just yeah. be humble and like stuff like that and you always will get benefit from those people you know who are yeah. willing to help you know yeah it's it's like letting like you said the older generation like being open to their wisdom yeah i want to talk about the free gigs that you've done because i'm sure there's a certain point when you kind of have to start saying no because you need money and everybody has like bills to pay but i mean from what you've said it it seems that there are times where you do say yes to keep that creative flow going yeah yeah so it's it's basically is a balance i would say um i 80 80 to 90 percent of time i'm taking Uh, pay gigs as the camera department's people like mm-hmm. ACs you know and stuff like that but when it comes to like some project even like student project or uh very low or no budget stuff ask me to shoot and now I will sometimes I'll go through the script and if I like it I will say yes just like keep shooting and practicing on like you know the career I want to develop on but yeah that's like when it comes to like Making money wise, like when you think you have enough experience, for example, like I was at the beginning, I was taking very low paid jobs as a grip and a gene, like electric and stuff. And the one day, I think just one day, like I just realized, like I've done so many contributions to this uh, production, like in this department, I think I deserve better, more pay. And like that's the moment I was like, okay, I'm not working for like $100 a day and then mm-hmm. I want more and stuff. As long as the confidence build up and then you think you can handle like basic stuff and there are people, when, I think that's a moment when you realize there are a lot of people trying to call you or friend, your friends start trusting you when you're getting calls from your friends say, hey, can you replace me? Or there's a job I want to help you on. That's a moment when people f- like trying to find you, trying to like, ask you to be on i think that's the moment you you have the bargain uh, you know stick in your hand that say like okay i don't take free job anymore because everybody wants mm-hmm. me when that moment comes is really like you have to like be hard to yourself and the first couple months probably because you're changed that people will be like oh like this person start asking for money let's look for more newbies but like good workers are always good workers that's why you tough through the couple few months of changes like Whoever like your workflow will always bring you on like better jobs. Like that's what I learned. That's how like before all the things went down with the COVID, my uh, my periods are slowly going up and up and up just because just by saying no to like too late too lot of the job and there will be other people like referring me like higher jobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It will happen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think it comes down to like consistency in work too. Like if you were getting yeah like multiple offers and then you have to be like well if this is this low, what if I get like a job in like two days that's going to pay me like so much better and treat yeah. me so much better? It's like, yeah. well, then maybe not. <laughs> yeah, as long as you keep the quality of your workflow, you know, as long as you don't water down your workflow, you know, stick as good as you are, then yeah, like how, like how much your, like your quality of your workflow will come mm-hmm. to like, you know, the, the day that worth that much money, that job come to you, you know, never right. water, never water yourself down like keep Mm -hmm. keep it high 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 up don't slack you know and it will always end up good that's like one thing i like about this industry like when you work on the you know the bottom like Mm -hmm. hard work always pay off you know um and yeah it's it's like also having the confidence to have those negotiation skills because i think that was something that i really struggled coming here because i was like how do i negotiate but Uh, you kind of learn as you progress. Um, So moving on to something that I really want to talk to you about, because you kind of mentioned it earlier, um, is your your style. And you talked about, you know, the films that you watched growing up um, really influence and what you you like and what you like to um, shoot. So um, what helped you in your style as a cinematographer? Because I know that there's like, you talked about color and contrast. 
Yeah. Um, so is there anything that influenced that? Mm, yeah, like a lot of stuff or uh, from a lot of stuff or like kind of just in generally from school, like a little by little. At the beginning, mm-hmm. I was like, everybody in Colombia kind of heavily influenced by like the traditional like cinematography style taught by mm-hmm. Adam Jones, Mr. Jones, that kind of like <laughs> contrasty and stuff. Everybody start off on that, like, you know. Like as a person who didn't know anybody anything about cinematography, I think contrast. Yes, it's important because it directs where I point at. More and more, I'm learning and more and more stuff I watch, including later got on SS two. We watch all the bizarre European old movies from like <laughs> I don't know, and I learn more stuff about visual that like not everything need to be motivated by certain like camera movements doesn't have to be motivated and. Uh, like even bizarre things like i don't know it could get used to it or like sometimes like there are some european dp that inspire me a lot like later on in my like recent more recent career as a dp that like i just feel sometimes like the visual most of most of the time the visual inspired by the story but there are also times that like people will try to find the story in the visual I don't know if like make any sense to you, but like that's how I feel when I watch all those bizarre movies, very bizarre, bizarre movies. Because when I first time when I watch stuff, like I will be triggered, I will be in, I'll be like attracted by the super weird color, like, and I don't like. I was like, wow, this is so cool. What is this? And like the story just go everywhere, and I kind of lost interest in the story because like European storytelling style back then is like, kind of non-linear. You know, and yeah, I lost right. interest and uh, just kind of concentrate on the visual. And later, the, I started to realize the story by the visual, like the visual kind of leading me to the story. Like even though I don't pay, didn't want to pay attention to the story and the visual still leads me to the story. And like, yeah. which is super cool. I'm trying to like be more doing that. But yeah, like to me, I'm more... I like, I like, I personally like a lot of camera movements. I personally like a lot of camera movements because I think that's what different from the screen and the human eyes, mm-hmm. if that makes more sense to you. Like, yeah. like human eyes are like just where you walk, where you run. So it doesn't do like things are super cinematic and the, the mm-hmm. eyes of the screen, this camera itself, it can move anyway. That's what does very like dramatic move, like different, uh, make the, or visual or point of view in a cinematic like different. So I think that's like very important to me that like I want to have the cinematic feeling that I have to have some camera movements. Like, right. Yeah. You get that's, to experience like a whole new perspective because the camera is doing something your eyes can't. Can't. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So no, that's, yeah, that's like point of point of like, that's my like rule of thumb. But when they're coming to, when it comes to some stuff like, I don't want to, when it comes to a story that like it's more important about actress, like actors acting, then I think that's more important about like, okay, how I can do the minimum to make this environment to feel comfortable to audience eye. And at the same time, they can, you know, really concentrate on the acting. It's all mm-hmm. about, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of, kind of like I have a pot to cook and like I want, I want everybody to, eat this pot and can still tell what's in there but the combination is still very comfortable together yeah i'm like recently more inspired by a lot of like visual visually non-stunning stuff but like i realized oh it's like roger dickens like those very minimum not minimum his lighting is not minimum but like (laughs) (laughs) but his style is like invisible lighting Mm-hmm. But it's all artificial and it's invisible and that really inspired me like reading more and more about like his interviews and stuff i feel like what he did mm-hmm. it was amazing like not everybody can sacrifice not a lot of dp can sacrifice their their own identity and the, their own aesthetic to that invisibility you know right yeah so i think he's he's another level so like yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't he finally get an Oscar like a couple years yeah, ago too? From, and then it's from actually it's kind of ironic. His Oscar is from to the uh, the the Blade Runner, which is like yeah. the most stylized like, lighting <laughs> yeah. he's ever done. Right, because <laughs> usually he's invisible. That's so yeah, interesting. That's so it's kind of like ironic, but I I still love the cinematography in that movie too. It's amazing though. And I also wanted to ask: um, Is there anything you turn to to watch or? I watch a lot of anime. 
mm. <laughs> like during the quarantine, kind of just rewatching stuff. Yeah, like I'm one of those. Uh, I'm one of those people that like really want to use one day if I have the money and all that stuff. I really want to create something like very special that like I can use anime style into it, you know. But not like Quentin Tarantino. Like Tarantino, <laughs> Tarantino's like no, no. Like he's, he he yeah. did a great job, but not like that. Right. You know, yeah. like, but I, I really want to one day use a lot of like uh, anime references or mm. anime visual skills into like cinematography. Like, hopefully I can be the first person to do that. But yeah, nice. like recently, like when I watch, I watch in the quarantine, I kind of re- rewatch a lot of um, a lot of like action movies, like One Punch Man. Mm. Um the mob, hundred percent. Like, like uh, I recently started rewatching like Psychopaths and all the stuff. They're all kind of like action, dark theme, and I just realized yeah. how amazing their shot designs are. And yeah. like, yeah. And sometimes I will pause and rewatch one shot a couple of times. Like, I think I can use the shot somewhere one day. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I love that you bring that up because I I grew up watching anime. Um, yeah, and, and my boyfriend loves it. He's obsessed. <laughs> so if you yeah. ever need a, like a storyboard artist, he's an artist. <laughs> he would be totally down to yeah. have a movie cool. about anime. Yeah. But I, I agree. Like I wish to hopefully one day um, add yeah. those elements into my film or into yeah. a TV series. Yeah, because so. they have great Super lighting cool. and like beauty with like yeah. in anime that is like yeah, unmatchable. You. It's thank amazing. You. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, not enough people say that, but it's like cinematic yeah. as heck. I used uh, I used the Your Name. Uh, if you guys heard about that, Your mm-hmm. Name that anime came out a couple years ago mm. as like a lighting reference for my mm. SS2 project. Mm. And my professor was like, "What the fuck is this? This is like <laughs> what?" This is, like he said, oh, "This no. is a cartoon. They drew this." I was like, "No, no, Ooh. like not this one. They use they recreate the real natural lighting into." like as a reference into the scene so yeah. no <laughs> it's not just a cartoon like, paintings and drawings can be references yes. too yes so I use them as references. <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm like yeah so like yeah i'm trying to like kind of like get study into it i was like i kind of trying to like i don't know i'm procrastinating it but uh like during a quarantine i trying to like collect my little anime visual book like in the mm. future i want to go look back into it and say there's something I really want to try, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's no, awesome. No, that's awesome. Um, putting out your own work. So how do you put out your own work pics? Uh, how do you uh, inspire others with your work? <laughs> like, mainly Instagram. Like, I've been, yeah. I've, mm-hmm. I'm very yeah. bad at, uh, like, putting websites. And sometimes I kind of wonder, like, do people really look into people's website? Probably, like, producer will, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably producer will, but, like, my main way is, like, every time when I want to see someone, or even a DPL, like I will go straight to their Instagram. It's mm-hmm. like from my habit. So I'm like trying to pay it, put more attention to my Instagram. And the, I have one Instagram, like I had so long, it's really hard to readjust it. It has my mm. cat photos in there, my work photos <laughs> in there. Like eventually kind of want to just have that as like the, my work and a personal I'm putting out my own personal work photo out there so people know, mm-hmm. oh, this girl actually work on set and she's not bragging about it. So, like, my work photo in there and also, like, some personal photo in there to prove that, like, you know, what kind of personality I am. I, I think it's kind of important, like, to some people. Like, because I want to see, when I hire people, I will want to see, like, what kind of person is this, you know? If right. this person Instagram just, like, that kind of, like, 16 by 9 and two white strips and old photos like that mm-hmm. you know like super yeah. artistic I was I don't see your personality so I don't know if you're easy to work with on set or what kind of like it kind of concerns me sometimes probably just me but yeah like when it comes to social media I kind of want to build your work photo like I kind of want to I kind of want to build like just work photo and then my personality stuff on that and then I have mm. a separate portfolio that put out my screenshots of my work and like my photos i kind of just separate them but yeah mainly instagram yeah no that's instagram and social media like like you were saying before it's just it's important i like how everyone's a little bit more reachable now that we're Mm -hmm. not so high up in everywhere you can actually reach out to people who are bigger and fancier than you or you can reach out to people who are on your same level and yeah pretty fun yeah um so 
We want to know, so this might be a naive question, but <laughs> we really want to know, like, what is your favorite camera to use? Like, when we talked to Olivia, I think hers was the Alexa. Yeah. Um, so what is yours? I hate to be that one, but I do like Alexa, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is, in general, Alexa uh, onset onset workflow is easier and also i didn't i don't have that many chance to dp with different cameras unfortunately but i i ac'd a lot of cameras all kinds of cameras and like mm. i at, for digital camera okay for digital camera yes alexa and i because a lot of cameras are so pain ass to ac to be honest yeah <laughs> as a person who like babysitting camera a lot of cameras are just like causing AC's mental pain, and I don't want those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't like those. Um, it's a film camera. Like, I really like, I really like the reason the, the array flex cameras and stuff. And uh, hopefully, one day, in the, one day, you know, I can shoot on those cameras, <laughs> like myself. Like, those digital, digitalized film camera, they're still very handy. I got AC on them, and I actually, the workflow is not that hard and I was like amazed by the stuff came out and stuff like yeah if I get a chance to DP on that would be amazing yeah cool yeah that's awesome I know because cameras can be so um I don't know I see it within all like the camera people just like different who likes different cameras and yeah it can be kind of uh <laughs> political sometimes when yeah, it comes to cameras. It get, yeah it gets intense but I'm all about which <laughs> one is easy to work with you know right, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's good to know um yeah and then uh we ask a question to all of our guests the same I mean we ask a lot of the same questions but this one's our main one of just like what mistakes have you made and learned from? What would you tell a rookie? So, like, things for set, especially. <laughs> things that, like, like don't leave your walkie on, you know, make sure you're telling oh, people where you are. Like, things like that. I know. I'm probably the master of this. I made so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I leave my walkie on, too. That's always my example. I'm, like, always, yeah. like, hello? Is anyone there? Oh, boy. I got, <laughs> like, I oh, got, no. yeah, I got y'all. I went over to Channel 1 once. Like, it was awful. And, uh, oh, no. Don't go to Channel 1, friends. Don't go to Channel 1. Like, if you're right. not the AD department, go. Don't go to Channel 1. <laughs> 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 I went to Channel 1, got y'all, like, pretty bad once. And, oh, uh, no. Well, it uh, works both ways. I've gotten yelled at for being on like channel six and channel oh, boy, like all like, channel five and channel seven or whatever it is. So, like I'm like, yeah, oh, God, I'm I, sorry. Still, I still don't know the answer. Like if I want to talk to this, uh, the second AD or any PA and I am not allowed to go to channel one. So what the heck am I supposed to do? Like what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, is there yeah. an answer for that? Okay. If, if you guys ever get answer, let me know. Like, I wanna know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but the biggest mistake, it was, um, Basically, just being cocky. Definitely being cocky is the biggest, biggest mistake ever made. And I have a story about that. And uh, hopefully, they will inspire some people. That was, yeah, when I just started out in Columbia, and I got to learn very fast, and I worked really hard. And uh, yeah, and a lot of people want me to be on their set, and I got really cocky. And I started talking back to people and like, you know, saying like, talking behind people even saying like don't hire that person because I personally don't like that you know kind of like those shitty green bees like I used to be and then people start like like they stopped hiring me like while I was still in school and I was confused I was I was so good I know how to use this how to use that how to I know how to do a lot of things than a lot of people you know and then why I'm not getting hired <laughs> yeah I was really down and that was like a very down moment in my life and I was thinking like should I just give up on this because I literally there were time a whole two months I was not on any set at all mm -hmm. and I was really depressed and uh, until and the uh, Johan like you guys know Johan yeah yeah Johan was the person saved me and uh, mm -hmm. I still talk to him about this all the time but yeah he was the person who actually gave me second chance like that uh apparently I screw I was really cocky on the set he was like a senior and then he was gaffing on. And then I was really cocky. I was really rude to a lot of groups. And then he said, he said things that like very like directly forward. He said, you can be nicer and stuff like that. And like, and then I was like, okay, I fucked up. He's never going to hire me. And then he was shooting his D3 and he hired me again. And then like his reason is really simple. He's like, I need people. And I think you have potential. You work really hard, but... I think like 
you can work on your attitude. But people who like to slack, they cannot change that. And so he gave me a second chance. And uh, that second chance saved me. And I, because of that, I completely changed my attitudes and all that stuff. And like, and then start thriving again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was the biggest mistake. And very luckily, I got a chance to correct that. So, yeah, I love that you're so open and honest about that because I yeah. think it's hard to bring up, you know, especially like if you're talking about, I guess, like ego or like if you're cocky, like you said, like, yeah, it's it's good to be reminded that mm-hmm. you should be a kind person on set. Um, yeah. And also like your hard work will get you through, will help you get jobs, but it's also your attitude. Yeah, yeah, like and hard I think, like, workers, hard workers, like a lot of hard workers, are easier to get big ego out of on that, and mm-hmm. uh, it's really hard for those people who get a lot of jobs and still stay humble. Mm-hmm. Like that's like a phase a lot of people have to go through, you know. I think it's yeah. also just about patience. Like when you're you're working so hard and you know all the skills, and people aren't on the level that you're at, it's like all about learning how to give those people second chances. So it sounds yes. like when you got your second chance, you started giving people second More, chances. Yes. Um, I I do the same thing when I was like stage managing. Uh, Nathan and I stage managed for a little while before we got laid mm-hmm. off. But um, before COVID, <laughs> yeah. But sometimes you like go in assuming someone's going to do or say something wrong, yeah. and then it's all suddenly you're like, okay, wait a minute, <laughs> let yeah. me slow down a little bit. Uh, it's definitely a cool learning experience. It's a really good piece of advice. I think we all need sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah like, like you said, yeah. we, we all go through it too. Yeah, we all go through a high ego time, and the, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. I, I have to say that. Like when I went back and the work at the agency, all the, you know, stage starting stage kids are like exactly like me back then. I'm just mm-hmm. like I really wish they can have some good mentors. Yeah. Like yeah. like Johan was my mentor, like who saved yeah. me. You know, I really wish someone nice will be their mentors and tell them like to be humble and stuff. Like like when I watch those kids and like a year later, some of the kids are not showing up at MPC anymore I'm like I kind of knew what's gonna what happened to them you know like mm. yeah. right yeah. yeah no that's really good and no one talks about it so that's like a really good uh, piece of advice yeah. um but yeah so we are heading into our uh COVID-19 um Black Lives Matter anti-racism conversation uh <laughs> so switching over to the world today in Yay! our current events we are continuing the conversation on COVID-19, anti-racism, Black Lives Matter movement, how it affects our industry and ourselves. Um, so the first question I will ask all three of us is uh, what we've been experiencing. We've been experiencing a lot in 2020. How has COVID-19 and the movement affected our careers? Um, do we have a different thought process going on to set and into our industry now? Um, and we've asked this question, but I feel that every week it changes uh, and every week Um, I mean, the base of it, it stays the same, but I think we have a lot of new information every week. So um, for me, I I always say that I I didn't really take crappy jobs about, you know, crappy things beforehand, but I think even more so now I will read the room and that I will read the types of behaviors people are uh, projecting towards me when I'm in an interview, uh, things like that, things I'll say no to now that I think that I am a little bit more woke to say no to. Um, because I have the privilege and the money to say no, I think I can and I will say no from now on to certain opportunities. Um, but a lot is happening yeah. in our industry. Yeah, and I, for me, it's like, I feel like now I have tools that I didn't have in school, but like going into like a workplace, just uh, just reading the room and just understanding what is happening. Um, yeah, I don't know. How about you, Hux? So it's been like a weird time to me. I don't know. Like, I I feel like, do you guys have the feeling that you don't know? You don't exactly know like how much like there's people like, I don't know that there are people are really care about it. But when it comes to like action in the practice, they are not doing that good. And that mm-hmm. what concerns me. Like, like I make myself sounds like I'm over worrying, but there are like little things can actually like get you infected. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, when it comes to that, like, it, I'm, like, very paranoid, to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, think, yeah. yeah, I agree. I just also want to add on to what I was saying, that it's also made me think about um, 
sort of reviewed those times where I might have experienced being the outcast in the room, being like a queer um, Latinx person. I think now I understand where they were coming from. Um, and now I guess I use it to better approach them next time when it does happen. Mm. Um, and it could be, you know, working with somebody um, or just not really in just our careers, but in our everyday life. And I don't know, I, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable now, you know, after doing more research on how to talk about those uncomfortable conversations that we need to have. Right. Yeah. We also have COVID-19. It's a very intersectional thing where we are hiring people onto sets without being safe too. And then you have a lot of like, you know, uh, casual and um, very um, microaggressions when it comes to racism. And then you have microaggressions when it comes to COVID where people aren't taking you seriously um, in both like realms. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, that's a really difficult time to be on set um, right. And so, like, have any of us worked uh, on set during COVID? Have you worked on set, Hex? Like, Nathan and I haven't been able to really work. I've, I've applied for things, but because everyone's mm-hmm. looking, I haven't yeah. really had a job. Um, yeah. But I've heard it can get kind of dangerous sometimes. It can get a little bit racially, uh, like, aggressive sometimes yeah. in this time. It is. It is. I definitely encountered more racism uh, acts after COVID happens, like, in mm-hmm. not at work but just in general in life and then people will be like i literally will see people like me walking down the street like this and people come towards me and just like go like around me like yeah. super intentionally stuff like that wow. or yeah and that's like that side but good good thing is i was working on i shot something last week um for northwestern um grads and uh, they uh really really worried about it really really care about it but like she apparently like because the time limits and stuff we're shooting in their parents house so we do have a lot of precaution everybody being got hired we have to do the COVID test within a week yeah. before the shoot starts and uh, we did that precaution and uh, we didn't have budget to hire like actually the COVID su- supervisor COVID-19 supervisor uh, yeah. like we're like a uh, seven people crew something like that okay. so or first yeah. ad took over that position basically gotcha. yeah then, not surprised <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yeah it's a it's a, like a very low budget stuff and uh, it keep it small and make me feel better especially like everybody being very transparent about payment and all that stuff and like mm. here's everybody's proof of like negative COVID test and then make me feel way much better mm-hmm. and uh yeah and then like also the direct we're shooting at director parents house and like her parents are kind of helping like watching over everything you know like right. like actual parents they're like <laughs> they'll be coming to our first city saying oh there are people sitting in the uh, living room now wearing masks and talking our first lady had to calm down and take care of this stuff like yeah that. but yeah that that was uh that was a good experience like yeah i found that and then uh everybody got from got our front set will take COVID-19 test again I did mine and uh, waiting for the result coming back and stuff like that and uh yeah the shooting eventually can turn out pretty successful and stuff and uh, yeah. definitely we we were only trying to do like a hour to 10 hour top type of day like mm-hmm. I think the only day we actually went to like 10 hour day was the day we had a tornado in Chicago oh wow oh yeah yeah I, yeah, I was we were just that. we were just sitting there waiting for talent show up for like an hour and 30 minutes <laughs> wow. so, my goodness so that day we kind of have to go a little bit late and like, unfortunately but yeah and we didn't cut any shot and when everything went slower definitely but um we're we're shooting under like 80 something degrees outside the sun just straight on our face and I was still wearing masks and that was too much mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's hard being I because I was uh, a volunteer at a testing site. So mm-hmm. um, we had to be in suits and we had to wear like double masks and we were like in 100 degree weather and I'm like barely trying to breathe with them like, nope, just keep it on. Yeah, because I do not want to get COVID. Yeah, or give anyone else COVID. That's, yeah. a thing. Yeah, that's, um, that's a thing. Yeah. And you don't know how other people's uh, 
health conditions are. So you don't want to, mm-hmm. I just, it's all about like how responsible you feel are for other people, you know, to be honest. And uh, yeah. yeah. And the bad ones are like, my bad examples are like, there are jobs contacting me and just saying like, Hey, I want you to shoot this music video and stuff like stuff like that. I was like, Oh, cool. Um, so just like you guys know, uh, I'm not going to show up on set unless everybody got tested. I just being very frank with them. And yeah. I'm just saying, I do want, I do need money though, but <laughs> I just yeah. be very frank. I say, uh, are you guys going to hire, do you guys have budget for a COVID like mm-hmm. supervisor? Are we, ha- are we offering like hand sanitizers, all the necessary wipes as like a part of, you know, expendables on set and then ask those certain, certain questions. And they just like, oh, we'll, we'll think about it and just hand up on me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not worth it. <laughs> Not worth it. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. You got, you got one life to be honest. Like yeah. I always, I post this on Instagram so many times. I said, yes, it, it sucks for this year. You're going to lose one year of income. You might get kicked out from your house. You might become homeless and within this year, to be honest. Yes. A lot of people are becoming like this, but as long as you are alive, everything can be rebuilt. Yeah. Um, right. It's about safety and yeah. keeping our bodies safe. Yeah. Um, yeah, That's for sure. And I think like I get frustrated because I know of companies that like uh, like stage companies that have, you know, testing sites in their stage companies and then won't test their own employees. And you're like, wait, so you're going to have all these, you know, people who work for you, most likely they're BIPOC or Latinx in L.A. And you're not most who are affected the most and you're not even going to test them, even though you've testing like a couple feet away. Uh, yeah, that sure. really is like crazy to me. And that, that, you know, then people feel desperate to go because they need to support their families. Um, yeah. It's, it's yeah. bizarre time. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So if you have the privilege to say no to it and not give people COVID, yeah, <laughs> it's like, really, well, I'm just no. <laughs> yeah. I definitely desperate. Like everybody desperate going back to set, to be honest. Yeah. It, like that is we part all of are. life. Yeah. It's sometimes when it comes to money, like, like I'm lucky to get unemployment, like to support yeah. me through, but right now, like the federal stops, I have to rethink about like getting more jobs, more income, but yeah. like, like when they come to set, it become like, it's part of my lifestyle. And mm-hmm. like, when I don't go back on, just like it's itching says, I want to go back on. I want to shoot stuff. I want to be on set. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I think we're all like craving the set life yeah. a little bit right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think like we wanted to ask, you know, uh, this kind of leads into what will Hollywood look like going forward, uh, both with COVID and the movement and yeah. how, what are our dreams for 2021? What will we want? our new industry to look like um like for mm-hmm. example i want more than just the changes on screen i want more than just like changing let's say like cartoon characters are getting new uh voices because they've been voiced by the false um you know uh, race or um and, and it's just kind of like I, I i love that and i want that to happen but i also want big change with our uh ceos and our like mm-hmm. people who give people jobs i want mm-hmm. them the to people be people who make those decisions yeah <laughs> and like plus the eight hour day that sounds lovely i would love yeah. our working t- conditions to get a little better um, yeah. yeah not just because of covid but because they're because long we're days. working 16 hour days and like hardly <laughs> getting paid for it <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Is there any other industry where 12 hours is normal to them? Like medical? Like medical yeah, workers nurses. probably? Okay. Which is necessary, I think. And they get <laughs> yeah. naps. Yeah. And they get naps. And hour, you know, breaks. When do we ever yeah. get an hour break? <laughs> so why entertainment works that long? That, that's like, that's, that's, being, that's being a question mark on me all the time. You know, health, health workers work that long because they have to stay monitoring um, people's lives you know, right. and they're saving lives. And uh, are we saving lives? We're really I don't not. think so. <laughs> we're killing lives on set, to be honest. Right. <laughs> we're, we're not essential workers. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, 12 hours is, it's been, it's been ever since first day I start working, like it's been a question, like why it's so normal to everybody working 12 hours? Never heard about it, you know, but. And then when you like are saying, hey, I'm really tired, then you get you know, like penalized for, for being tired after 12 hours, um, and not wanting to go 16. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, like I have, I have to be here at like 6am. So yeah, that's probably a lot of people want to join union because they don't want to get sabotaged, you know, by the indie industry. That's a lot of my friends said that they're like the main reason to join union is because of that, you know, there's a union can protect them and the stuff. 
But for people yeah. who want to stay in the indie, then we have to build the rule for ourselves, you know. And uh, my wish is coming back to the topic is everybody stop like lowballing each other. We're the family. Stop cutting each other short. Lower the bar, like making the bar lower and lower, and life harder and harder to each other. That's mm-hmm. my like like utopia. Yeah. To be honest, like let's let's set a standard for this indie indie uh industry indie filmmakers you know like ac cannot be lower than this ad cannot be lower than this everybody right. agree on that so we don't lowball lowball each other trying to mm-hmm. take each other's job and that's what like those shitty production will take advantage on that's why we're living right. like kind of miserable i really wish we can come up to this kind of like agreement like right you know so like we don't we don't yeah. fuck each other. Like we're we're literally like screw like each other's up because of trying to take the job and lowballing. Yeah, and the yeah. Sa- safety definitely need to come concern. Like racism things and sexism things need to need to be put on the stop after all this like like stuff. I'll, I'll be very sad if I don't know. I'm kind of like scared of like how how like. Um, like like um you know uh, african-american workers and asian workers will be treated after this year to be honest because the mm-hmm. act, because the movements and the the COVID 19 i mm-hmm. do want to see i want to be better but i definitely don't want to see it get worse because there are people who are being annoyed by this mm-hmm. thing and blaming on these colors say like well 2020 already sucked you know like because of your race on your race makes things shittier you know mm. and uh, yeah yeah wow. really really wish it doesn't do the other way right yeah. the microaggressions don't get worse because yeah. we're because bringing the them movements. up yeah. right yeah i i can see how that could be an issue especially when it comes down to tokenism and you get hired because you're you know black or asian or brown or um and, and it becomes a just a symbol and then you don't get the the tools or the respect that you deserve just because you are a token of yeah, whatever I, you're being hired mm-hmm. for no right. i definitely hate that i feel like you know that those symbols be making me feel like i'm a trophy wife you know i'm not actually doing right. what i want to earn what i want you know like that's the worst feeling but yeah it, when it comes to it it's simply just one one request to all the production to all the producers to all the studios like from like from me i'm an asian woman i'm just asking you simply that when you pick someone please just pick a good dp a good director by like without seeing their race without seeing their color it's like okay i like this person because she's good i like this guy because he's good you know like things like that and like not just like, oh, we need to be political and stuff, stuff. Like, I really hate when the entertainment gets so political and, like, and we neglect the purpose of um, using art to save lives and changing worlds, you know? Right. You know, because, yeah. because somehow, somehow the, uh, somehow the movements become a fashion trend and the studios, the big studios need to follow the trend, you know? That's, that really sucks. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. no change happens from that. It's just using it as a as a ploy to yep. yeah. Um, that's a really good point. I think that going forward, like Hollywood is going to be tested in that way uh, heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that like there's also people uh, that are hoping to change the industry who are not maybe up in those big like positions, but hopefully people at our level who are like going to come up one day and change it. Yeah. But it's it's gonna might be a long uh, haul. Hey everyone, this is Maggie. I am currently editing this episode and just wanted to let you guys know we'll be starting a new segment called Movement Mondays where we talk about uh, social justice, social issues, um, any movements we feel passionate about and our guests feel passionate about. Uh, So that will be on Mondays, so you can hear the rest of this conversation on Corona, Black Lives Matter, uh, social justice on Monday. Thank you so much. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the pod. Um, but yeah, we are coming to the end of our podcast and, um, we have made it. We did it. Thank (laughs) you so much, Hux. Thank you so much. We've learned so much about, uh, just the industry and and what's going on in the world. And we got to know more of who you are. Yes. Which is always great. 
Um, and so, yeah, thank you for joining us today. We will link all of your Instagram and anything you want to promote. And then, uh, yeah, and then plus our podcast, uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, is um, on iTunes and Spotify. Please give us a rating on iTunes. We don't like asking for that, but it apparently yeah. it, it helps our cause. <laughs> it, it does help, yeah. And, yes. you know, let us uh, leave us some comments, reviews, DM us on our Instagram page because we want to know, you know, how we're doing. Um, yeah, and uh, please tune in for next week. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.